Let's pray together. Almighty God, I pray that your Holy Spirit comes to each and every one of us, wherever we are. That, Lord, you illumine this night as you did that first night. The first night that your lungs filled with air and the first cries of hope and freedom filled the air. Lord Jesus, may these words of scripture, which we have heard, be seeds in our heart to bear fruit in our lives. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tonight is a big night, a story of cosmic proportions. It's a story of God becoming a man, an event that occasions the whole heavenly host to shout with joy. It caused a star to burn so brightly in the sky that it called wise men from the east. It's an event around which all of human history has come to be dated. It's the culmination of history itself, the culmination of all our hopes. The vast expanse of God's love formed into flesh and blood and breath. Tonight is a story of enormous consequence. But it is also a story of small things. A young woman, a young man, a small town, a small way to walk. A small, a story of small resources and small status and a small kingdom on the edge of a vast empire. A small space, a small feeding trough, small strips of cloth. With small cries and small eyes and ears and nose and toes, a small heartbeat from a small child. This evening, so great and so small. So godlike and yet so human. And that is what the whole story is all about. It's a tale about God who is at once an infinite creator and yet is in the very smallest details of our lives. It's a story of a baby who will be a man, at once fully God, but who knows our weaknesses, our fears, hopes pains and longings, a person just like us, and a God nothing like us. It is heaven and earth learning to dance with one another again, learning to embrace one another. And in this small event, the Lord of the universe makes landfall, not like a conquering king, but like everyone else, naked hungry, crying, wanting his mama. In fact, this whole story is about two mothers. One, who, one mother who weeps and another who comforts her. I want you to look at the picture we're about to throw up uh, on the screen. This is a painting by Sister Grace Remington from a Catholic convent in Iowa. There are two mothers here, Eve and Mary. In our text from Genesis tonight, we heard the story of how humanity turned away from God. So that, as N.T. Wright puts it, rather than reflecting life into creation, we 
the image of God reflect death back into ourselves. And the very first thing that Adam and Eve notice in the garden after they have eaten the fruit is that they are naked. Now, I want you to think about nakedness for a second. If you were naked in the street, you would feel embarrassed, exposed. And often that feeling of embarrassment is what we focus on in this Genesis text. But nakedness is also, and very importantly, vulnerability. We don't have thick fur or scales to keep us safe. Nakedness is, at its core, being exposed to dangers. Can you imagine being naked outside tonight? When we feel naked, we feel unprotected, unable to protect ourselves vulnerable. And what Eve feels in her bones, what she sees when her eyes are opened is that she has broken a relationship with God, which enveloped, protected, and comforted her. A loving relationship with God that clothed her. And her nakedness is something that we all know too well. All of us come into this world crying, bearing the nakedness of Adam and Eve. Eve is our mother in that regard. And we all bear her family likeness. We are vulnerable, breakable, and indeed broken. And we spend most of our lives clawing for things to cover ourselves up like fig leaves, to find a way to escape our nakedness, but nothing works. Not the best winter coats, not the best silk dress, not the best life insurance policy or designer suit, not the best doctors or the best vitamins or even essential oils. None of it can heal that gnawing desire for something that will keep us truly and fully warm. Keep us truly safe when there is no room for us in the inn. When the contractions come at last and in the least convenient moment. And so in this picture, Eve stands covered only by her own hair in mourning. The serpent wound around her feet, but there is another mother, another woman. And she stands across from Eve and she holds her hand to her belly and puts her other hand on Eve's cheek. And she looks her in the eye. And under her feet, the serpent's head is crushed by her heel. And she was comforting Eve because the child in her was not just one more prophet, not just a signal of something promised in the future, not something coming. This child was the coming itself. And Mary knows that from time immemorial, we have known Eve's nakedness and longed to clothe ourselves in something that would satisfy us. Mary knows that the one in her stomach has come to clothe humanity and the only thing that was ever going to satisfy us, God's own presence and love. Because where we were unable due to sin and brokenness to clothe ourselves in the Lord and be satisfied, he comes down to clothe himself in us. And this small boy laid in a humble trough, born to humble people, is God taking hold of us when we are too weak to take hold of him. 
He is crushing the snake's head, which forever has bitten our heels. And behold, this is good news of great joy, which shall be for all people, every nation, every tribe, every kingdom, every skin color, every language and culture and, the, and clan. In this little boy, God puts on all of humanity so that through Christ, all humanity might be clothed in him. And he doesn't just take care of the good stuff. He doesn't take on the good stuff. No, he takes on all the stuff. All our fears, our pains, our anxieties, our poverty, our insecurities, our ugliness. Because everything that God puts on, he redeems. And one day, when he finally puts on death, death loses its sting. And that, friends, is the real joy of Christmas. We have, after long, dark years, even this 2020, our Emmanuel, God with us. Not in some far-off place. He is here in the midst of all of our mess. And that is not just true about Bethlehem thousands of years ago. It's true tonight. Wherever you are watching this, it's true. God is not far away. He is here. He is there. Present to us, not only when everything is well put together and cleaned up and tidy, but especially when we are in shambles, when we are in a pigsty, if you will, of our lives, when there is no room for us in the inn, when we feel most naked and broken and vulnerable. In Jesus, the Lord says, come, be clothed in what you've lost. Come and know me as I have come to know you. And when we come to worship this child tonight, we do so knowing that there is nothing too great for him. No problem too vast, no system too corrupt, no relationship too embittered, no debt too great, no sin too heinous, that he would ever turn away from it that he would ever refuse to carry us through it. But there is also nothing too small, no need too trivial, no heartbreak too slight, no fear too foolish for God to hear and to know. And if God comes into the world like this, there is nothing too small for him to delight himself in embracing. And so in the words of angels, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. May you know tonight both his greatness and his intimacy, now and always. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.